Hello, welcome to Thoughts from the Psalms, a series of meditations from the great hymn book of the Bible. I'm David Friary. Psalms 113 to 118, known as the Egyptian Hallel Psalms. Do you ever have those horrible moments when you can't remember something, an event, someone's name, something in your diary and so on, and you think, oh dear, I'm starting to show and feel the ravages of advancing years. Getting older and the passage of time seems to have this effect on us. I think the feeling may in part be due to the fear of losing those memories of the past. They are often memories of precious people, places and moments. Maybe the reality of a loved one who's died, for example. We fear the idea of forgetting, or at least till we're too forgetful to remember that we've forgotten. Today, of course, we have photographs and videos to help us recall, and it's definitely worth having backup copies. But it's only in the last less than 200 years that we've had these. So how did people remember in the past? Well, in addition to any written records... Communities and families had great traditions of storytelling. Even now we love to sit round with friends and family and reminisce. Do you remember that day when Aunt Flo did this or that day when Uncle Horace said that? Memory's important and memory has always been important to the Jews. The greatest single event in their history, the exodus from Egypt around three and a half thousand years ago, was the central act of redemption under the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. They wanted to remember it, and God wanted them to as well. We are continuing to look together at the Egyptian Hallel Psalms, namely Psalms 113 to 118. Hallel in Hebrew means praise, and they are known as Egyptian because of the link to the Passover and their use in the annual Passover celebration. Now today we come to Psalm 114. In my introduction to this series of Psalms, We spoke about Jesus as the Lamb of God being the fulfilment of the Passover story. But now I want to consider this theme of Passover in more detail. Psalm 114 When Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Judah became his sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled, Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea, that you flee, O Jordan, that you turn back, O mountains, that you skip like rams, O hills, like lambs? Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring of water. The immediate theme of Psalm 114 is the Jewish escape from their slavery in Egypt. And our overall title for this psalm is the God of the Exodus. These events speak of a redemption so significant to the Jewish nation that they must never be forgotten. And so they are remembered each year by the Jews in their Passover celebration. Yet this Passover is also an act which fits into a bigger story. And so it causes us to do three things. To consider the central theme of the Passover 
to look back to creation and to look forward to Jesus' cross and the empty tomb, which became the central act of redemption under the new covenant in Jesus. Or in fewer words, looking at the Passover, looking back to creation and looking forward to Jesus. Firstly, looking at the Passover. As a Jew celebrate the Passover each year, it's because the memory of that great work of God is still central to their national identity. It's an act of collective remembrance. By tradition, the youngest person present at the Passover meal asks the four great questions of Passover. Actually, there are really only one question, but with four answers. And the question is this. Why is this night different from all other nights? The Passover meal leader replies by asking what differences they notice. The youngest person then replies that there are four ways in which they notice a difference about the Passover meal. On all other nights, we eat bread or matzah, that's unleavened bread, while on this night, we eat only matzah. On all other nights, we eat all kinds of vegetables and herbs, but on this night, we have to eat bitter herbs. On all other nights, we don't dip our vegetables in salt water, but on this night, we dip them twice. And on all other nights, we eat while sitting upright, but on this night, we eat reclining. All these aspects of the meal carry a significance in relation to the events of the original Passover night. But fascinating though they are, we haven't got time to digress into this now. Note though that fourth answer about reclining. It refers to the ancient custom of eating while reclining on one elbow. Such reclining symbolises the concept of freedom and refers to the idea that after leaving the bondage of Egypt, Jews would be able to have a celebratory meal while relaxing together and enjoying each other's company. But it's an interesting answer because it was not the original answer. And that original answer was that on all other nights we eat meat which has been roasted, stewed or boiled. But on this night we eat only roasted meat. That answer referred to the sacrificing of the Passover lamb. But it was changed after the year AD 70. But why AD 70? Because in that year, the second temple built under Nehemiah's leadership and subsequently enlarged during the time of King Herod was destroyed by the Romans and has never been rebuilt. From then on, the sacrificial system was abandoned in Judaism, hence the decision by the rabbis to change the answer to a totally different one. Now I fully understand why the Jews want to remember the events of the Passover as part of their history. We too have key dates and reference points. 1066, the Battle of Hastings. Or Remembrance Day on the 11th of November each year, when we recall those who have died in war. It's true that our past moulds our present and our future, and we ignore it as our peril. But the exodus from Egypt and its recalling each year in the Passover is not the complete story. The Exodus night and the subsequent crossing of the Red Sea and the River Jordan on dry ground and the taking of the Promised Land are not the complete story of God's work of redemption. They are but a type of a greater work of God which was to come. But before we move on into the New Testament, let's first of all look backwards from the Exodus and Passover to the beginning of time, looking back to creation. 
As we see the accounts of God at work in rescuing his people from Egypt, we see how Psalm 113 has prepared us for the, with a background picture of God the Creator. Psalm 114 then fills in the details with the God of the Exodus. Creation and Exodus imagery are like two sides of the same coin. As Genesis begins by revealing the Lord God Almighty who created the heavens and the earth, so in Exodus we see a new creation which mirrors the original creation. God had created a people in this world and yet following the pattern set by Adam, humanity turned against him. God could legitimately have decided to destroy the whole world. He came near to doing this by means of the flood in the time of Noah. Yet God stopped short of such drastic action. As the flood was about to begin, God put eight people whom he considered more righteous than everybody else, Noah, his wife, his three sons and their wives, into the ark, along with two of each kind of animal and bird. After the flood, the world would then continue and be repopulated and reinvigorated. But God's plan, devised even before the world began, was to go further than this. He would draw a people to himself by means of a saviour, and drawing to himself a chosen people from slavery in Egypt was part of that plan. In fact, the parallels between the creation and the exodus can be drawn even further. Just as in Genesis chapter 1, creation involved land emerging from water, so too at the exodus we see Israel, God's new creation, emerging effectively from water as they pass through the dried-up Red Sea. A people and nation emerge from water and enter the promised land. Genesis and Exodus thus together show two great moments of creation, moments of divine intervention on the earth. In each case we see God's engagement in his creation, working for the sake of his world and his people. His dealings with Israel were more than just a physical intervention, they were also part of a spiritual plan with eternal dimensions. For that was not the end or completion of that plan, but a stepping stone along the way. The great redemptive act in the Old Testament was but a type of prefiguring of God's ultimate redemptive act as found in the New Testament. And so, having looked backwards from the Exodus to the original creation itself, we must now look forward from the Exodus to the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. In him is God's ultimate recreation. That comes to tempt you It just 
discuss anything in this program with me david friary please contact me via our studio please join us next time for further thoughts from the psalms